Welcome to another episode of Embracing the Hustle. In this episode, we interview Nikki Ellis, founder and creator of Cinch. She's an entrepreneur. She is a sessional academic at Victoria University, teaching in the clinical exercise science stream. She is a transformation specialist with nearly 30 years of experience in the field. We talk about her background, how she grew her business, and she shares her best advice to aspiring personal trainers. Again, I apologize for the audio quality. We are still tweaking and improving our setup, and I hope you enjoy the episode. I've been a personal trainer since 19, 1993 now, so I've been in the industry a very, very long time. Um, I'm a mum, I have two children, my son's 15, my daughter's 11, and I'm just completely passionate about, you know, many things, but predominantly I'm very passionate about small business and I'm really passionate about supporting women. And um, when I started, it really was a case of what is personal training, because nobody was doing it. Right. Nobody I knew had a personal trainer, it was a new term. Um, so yeah, starting way back then, it was really charting territory that hadn't been charted before wow. it was quite quite new must yeah. be tough oh it wasn't really because yeah. you know you you don't start by just saying you know, this is my full-time job now i've got to make it work it was you know just little by little and you know took on a couple of clients and that good is something you've always wanted to do or? i guess it is without yeah. realizing it because you know going right back i grew up in new zealand and i'm the youngest by 10 years so my brother actually my background is is unusual i guess in that I had a mother who was morbidly obese and actually died when she was 51. Wow. So she lived a life with chronic illness, um, very overweight. But my father was a top athlete. So I had these two extremes of health. I had a mother who was chronically ill and a father who was chronically healthy. <laughs> and wow. so I guess in my childhood mind going, growing up with that, I always thought it was almost like you chose one or the other. You know, yeah. there was sort of no no middle ground. It was it was the extremes, and so of course I always wanted to be much more like my dad. And so, growing up, I always you know my sports were unusual sports. I, I ran, but I mainly I was a sailor. I sailed with my dad, and then I moved on to rowing when I moved to Melbourne. So very sort of growing up with boats, I guess, um, and played tennis. But those were my main ones: running and sailing. And my brother, who was ten years older than me, at one point. You know, he got into physio and he was doing his physio undergrad degree and so I decided that that's what I wanted to do because I idolized him and also because I couldn't see a way in my future that I could be sitting in an office and, mm -hmm. and working and so I knew it had to be something sporty but mm -hmm. being a phys ed teacher didn't really appeal and I mm -hmm. didn't really at primary school we didn't have a phys ed teacher anyways in New Zealand so I didn't know what that was anyway um, but I knew I wanted to do something sporty yeah. and I knew I wanted to work with, with people. But even back then, I knew I probably probably didn't really want to be doing rehab. Rehab didn't really appeal, but that was the only option yeah. that I could think of. So growing up, that was sort of what I was thinking I would do. And then I sort of thought maybe sports journalism. So it was always something in the sporty field. And then even when I started my degree, which was in 1992 in exercise science, I was still, you know, fairly unsure of exactly what would, would come by the end of it. But once personal training started to be bandied around as a possible thing, yeah. I thought, that's it. That, that's exactly what I want to do. It's right. perfect. And so thankfully, the 
job that I really wanted and that I'm truly passionate about emerged even halfway through my studies and emerged. Mm. And I'm sure that's going to happen to kids now. Jobs that aren't even invented yet, by the time my children are even just a few years young, older, they'll appear and we'll go, mm. oh, that's it. That's what, that's what you're destined to be. Yeah. So what, what made you want to go, okay, I want to start a business? I really do think that entrepreneurs have an entrepreneurial heart, yes, don't you? Yes, do you yes, think yes, that? Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Because it's not for everyone. No. You know, some people are destined to lead sensible lives where they get a paycheck every fortnight and they work hard and they have holidays that that's paid for. And, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I can totally yeah. understand how people would love that and they get to the top of their stream or whatever they're doing. Or some people are destined to lead lives where they rear a family and have great joy in that. But for me, it was always about having that entrepreneurial spirit. And I just feel that there's an enormous magic. And I feel that sitting here talking to you, Carlo, and you've created this incredible, beautiful space where people come and I'm sure they feel really loved and well looked after. There's a magic in that of creating absolutely something awesome out of absolutely nothing, Mm. a bare room. Mm. So that has always appealed. But beyond that... I think I, I work fast. If I decide I'm going to do something, something's on the board the next day. You know, things are up and oh, running no. super no. fast. And so when I have been in situations where I've worked for other people, I've found it incredibly frustrating yeah. that the wheels just turn so slowly. And so a big part of wanting to be an entrepreneur was just my feeling of immediacy and wanting to get things done really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Sometimes things can't wait. That is, Oftentimes they can't. That is so true. They say that um, ideas are cheap and it's all about execution. Unless yeah. you execute the idea, it stays an, as an idea. It doesn't go anywhere. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and on a personal level, I think sometimes when you sit on an idea too long, you start questioning yourself and going, mm, maybe not, maybe I'll do it next year. And so I... I mean, honestly, that's bitten me on the on the bum many times as well, that sometimes you jump in too fast and then it, it doesn't work out. But I think eight times out of ten, it goes well and you just go, gosh, I'm, I'm so glad I jumped in when I did. Yeah. Because, you, you know, he, he who hesitates is lost. That's, that is so true. That yeah. is so true in business. Hey? Just, it just is. do it. You must. Just you must. It. Absolutely. Mm. Did you ever doubt yourself at this stage? Well, there's more to this story, I guess, and certainly when I started out. So I'll tell you the backstory a little. So starting off as a personal trainer, it was Melbourne City Baths, 1992, and I was just a, I was a Jimmy, I was a gym instructor and you know, studying as well, studying full-time, working part-time. And the manager of Melbourne City Baths started talking about this thing called personal training and saying, oh, would you like to be a trainer? And it was, and so I started off and I started to realize that I was by far the most popular personal trainer. The other guys were a little bit lost. Maybe they were busy or distracted. I don't know. But I loved it. And so I built up my personal training very quickly. And so management started to reach out to other, other gym instructors and say, would you like to do some more PT in this person or that person? And I could see what was happening, Carlo, was it was becoming a really, um, really kind of all over the shot type of situation. There was trainers wearing different t-shirts, telling different information, giving out different phone numbers, and there was this air of competitiveness as well. Uh, Don't train with him, train with me, I'm better, you know, and I really didn't like that. Um, So I went back to management and said, look, you know, I can run this for you and I can run it really well. Um, Again, it was a spur of the moment thing. It was really just seeing a trainer on the floor and thinking, another trainer, really? How many, you know? And so I went to management and said, look, 
I'll be the person that all the inquiries come to. I can work out what's best for each client. I can have a spreadsheet that's going to win the transaction. And it's going to be beautiful. And they can all be branded with Melbourne Sea Bars. And it's going to seem to be much more cohesive. And it's going to work really well for you. And of course, they said, sure, do it. So suddenly, I'm like, oh, right. Now I've got a new position. I'm personal training. You know. so, um, so that happened. And then... I went back to them, I think about six months later, after that book being quite successful, and said, I actually started my own business. Um, can you can you put me on as a business within you? And so it's sort of, I called myself um, City Personal Training, and my husband came on board. So my husband's background, he also has an applied science degree in exercise science, and he has a master's degree in nutrition. So he's a really wow, okay. highly qualified PT as well. Mm. So we ran that together, and we did that successfully for, I think, seven or eight years, and we ran personal training for the, the Grand Hyatt Hotel, City Club, Park Hyatt. So we were doing some high-end inner-city gyms and we were running or overseeing around 500 personal training sessions a month, I think. So quite a few, had about 15 staff. So busy, yeah. Mm. So anyway, then I you know, we got actually got married and started to have children and then when the children came along, it was like, mm, it's just too tricky. And so I pulled back. He actually got that nine-to-five job doing something else. And I sort of lay dormant for a while. But one of the things I also did at that time was I was university lecturing. And I've been a university lecturer since 2000. So teaching wow. an exercise, um, School of Exercise and Science, College yeah. of Exercise and Sports Science it is now at BU. Um, did I ever doubt myself as your original question before I went off on that tangent? No, not really. But part of that was because I did have Andrew there with me as my business partner. And he is very good. He's not rah-rah. He's not saying, you're amazing, you're the best, you can do it. But he would always be that quiet voice in my ear going, of we can do this. Are you kidding me? You can, you can do that. Easy. Keep your eyes shut. You know. Mm. And just when I needed it, if there was any self-doubt, he'd just go, don't, don't, don't do it. Don't second guess. You'll be fine. But... I am pretty confident in some things and other things definitely not as much. But in business, Carlo, I've always just thought, A, you've got to spend money to make money. B, it's one day at a time. If you work hard, you should be okay. And C, if it doesn't work out, it's not a big deal. As long as you're not a million dollars in debt, you'll be okay. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. You give it a try. If it doesn't work. I love that, Vicky. I love when you said it's it's one day at a time. Yeah. Do it anyway if you fail, it's okay. Like yes. I, I really believe, you know, being in business, I've learned that failure is part of success. Absolutely. It's, it's part. Of, it's a long game. That's right. It's just a long game. Nothing happens overnight. No. Um, it's so yeah. true, Carlo. And I think if you read, you know, Richard Branson's story or, you know, any huge entrepreneur, Lisa Messenger is a great Australian example of an entrepreneur who has gained a lot, but she's failed many times and lost mm. millions of dollars and regained millions of dollars. And when I was working at the Hyatt, a lot of my clients were very well-off business people, well-known business people. And so during a PT session, when I could, I'd ask them their story. And so many of them had lost everything and restarted and so it gave me enormous hope that well gee they can do it and now they're you know they're very successful people i can do it it's it's okay it is only money yeah that's right take a risk that's what money's for uh personal training is a very competitive industry what's what's your advice for people who are starting out what's some advice well to be honest i think your streets ahead if you do have a degree because I think it gives you that enormous 
I think it gives you a little bit of a point of difference to start with. Like one of our catch cries at Cinch has always been, you know, that we are exercise science graduates, and which is unfair because there are lots of Cert 3 and 4 people who are brilliant at what they do. Mm. But for us, it has been a selling point. Whether mm. your clients really care or not is another story. But mm. for us, it's yes. a selling point. So that gives you confidence, I think, that you are a little bit ahead of the game. Mm. Um, yes, it is a, com- a competitive business. It is. But you have to believe that you are one of the best and and just have that that focus that an awful lot of trainers who come out of Cert 3, Cert 4, they may have just not their own, their own interest. They may just be wanting a little part-time job or a side hustle. For you, if it's your total focus and you love it, you'll always succeed at it. Um, so I've got lots of advice for up-and-coming entrepreneurs, but mm. that self-belief has to be there. Um, certainly as a personal trainer, walking your talk, so you and I talked about that as we yeah. were walking in before the yeah. podcast, didn't yeah. we? I think as a personal trainer, because with shows like The Biggest Loser and, you know, people do expect you to look a certain way and be a certain way mm. and, um, and you'll be found out very quickly if you are not authentic and you don't truly believe in what you do. So, you know, posting pictures on social media of yourself out at the pub smoking a cigarette will not do your brand any good. So you do need to be 100% committed to a healthy lifestyle, which I I believe most trainers would be. You know, I I meet a lot of trainers and generally they're amazing and they do, they love it. And I think the industry has come a long way. It's, It's so much better than it used to be. Oh, trainers know their stuff mm. so much more. Um, but yeah, I think that, yeah, but self-belief obviously is a big one. And mm. beyond that, um, identifying your tribe. I think that sometimes for personal trainers going to business, they want to service everyone, um, men, women, the very overweight, the athletic children, you know. Uh, the longer I'm in this industry, the narrower my tribe becomes and that allows me to focus my branding voice so much more clearly and the mm. more clearly I can have my voice, so um, the mm. more my vibe attracts my tribe and the people who come through my door are exactly the right people I want mm. to train. And because they are the people I want to train and they get what I do, the better my service is for them. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it just becomes a yeah. great cyclical thing. And you're not wasting your time training a lot of people who really aren't your tribe, yes. who don't want to be there, you're not the right fit, yeah. and it's a horrible experience for both of you and a, and a time waster. I think that's the other thing too, really identifying your, your target market, yeah. identifying that person you really want to train, and then going narrow and being the best at that. Yeah, market. going narrow, reaching wide. Correct, correct. But um, you've touched on a lot of really, really good points, especially the part where you said, just really loving what you do. Mm. I think that really resonates with me very well about being authentic and true to yourself. Yes, absolutely, mm. absolutely. That's so true. And mm. I think, Carlo, in personal training, sometimes what we do is we also get caught up in giving clients variety and fun stuff for the sake of keeping them entertained yeah yeah. and i mean and and this is something i've had a complete rebrand of my business in the last well three weeks actually i've just opened up my new studio and have had a lot of changes and one is the way that i train people now i come from you know a very academic background i've worked in academia for 17 years i taught resistance training for goodness sake for 10 years at the cuny and yet what I was doing in my studio was a little different to what I was teaching my students to do, which was with my students, it was all about 
data collection. We need to make correlations. We need to periodise the training. Um, don't throw in variety just for the sake of it because I actually, we need to see that progression. And so I've now gone right back, stripped off all that, all the fun stuff, and we are now progressing. And the clients all write down what they do and they're able to do a little bit more each time and it's yeah. periodised. And you know what? I feel so much more at ease with what yes. we're doing because yes. it's like I'm doing exactly what I've told my students to do for the last 10 years we're now doing it and yes it's not so much bells and whistles and you know it, it isn't so much variety there's still variety there it's still a really great workout they're still doing a split routine three days a week there's heaps of variety but it's a little different for them but what they're saying now is oh my goodness I can already see my body changing more than it has done that is so true so and I think hello so as well as that is then how you sell that product mm. it's like hey we're going to stick it may not be as exciting, but you know what's exciting? Results. It's more exciting to see results. Always. 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 The most motivating thing in the world is yeah. getting results. Yeah. You know. Everyone wants to go into a session going, hey, let's mix it up a little bit today. Let's change it up. Let's add this. I'm like, how Correct. can we be better at one thing if you keep changing? So that's been another element. It's like, wow, you know, just giving them that chance to settle into whatever it is, whether it's a squat or a bench press, but giving them a few weeks to progress it and really coaching them on the same movement every week rather than constantly changing it has allowed them to actually get those movement patterns nailed. And it takes time. It takes time. It, it does time. take time. Have to, you have to stick with it. With you do. Exercise. You do. And some people are highly coachable and get things in a heartbeat, mm. but most of us aren't. We, we mm. do take a little bit of time to learn new movements. Mm. So that's been really good as well. Um, so let's talk about motivation. How do you motivate someone? Okay, well, that's really interesting because I don't know a lot about your business, but possibly mm. because of you being an exercise physiologist, you may well get referrals from physios and GPs. Those people may be less motivated because right. they're being told, you need to go and see Carlo. You know, I get clients who, my tribe is different. Okay, so let's go back a little step. My, my clients are primarily women. I do train men too, but mm. primarily women. Um, they're generally mums. They're generally mums at my local school, a couple of local schools. But they are the mums who drop their kids off at school and they, the wiggles go off and the gangster rap goes on. You know, they reach their arm out to wave at their friend and they've got a little tattoo on their forearm. Okay, those are my mums. Yeah. So my mums generally, um, they don't have 40 kilos to lose. They generally might have like five kilos that they would like to lose. Yes. But they're already in great shape. Um, but they want to take to that next level where they're, they're looking hot. They're like, sure, I'm 40. I want to look hot. Yeah. Like if, if you dig a little yeah. deeper, that's it. So, yeah. so it's a very specific tribe. So they are pretty motivated already. But I also, I give little mini lectures all the time in yeah. sessions, which is about do not rely on motivation. Motivation is a very fickle friend. Mm. So do not expect it to be high all the time. Any more than you expect to be motivated every day you're doing a university degree. You don't rock out of bed and go, awesome, I can't wait to go to uni today, I can't wait to do that assignment. You break it down to chunks and go, hey, my end goal is to get that master's degree in exercise science. These are the steps I'm going to do. You take it day by day, knowing that in three or four years' time, you're going to walk across that stage with that degree. Yeah. That's the motivator. You have to stay focused on that end goal, but break it down to chunks and know that not every day is going to be 
Woohoo, there's nothing I would rather do than train. Okay, so you Love just that. fucking turn up. You turn up. You turn I up. I like that. You turn you're like you that's turn so up. True. Yeah. Anyway, and I say to my clients, you've got it easy. Mm. You show up. I give you the training. I help you through. You know, you've got all your friends around because we are a closed studio. I don't get casuals in. You sign up, you're a member. And you can't become a member again until that program slot is finished, like in 10 weeks' time. So you are with the same people all the time and they are your tribe as much as they're mine. So all these women who are just like you, they've got the tats, they're playing the restaurant, you know, who are having fun and laughing yeah. and seeing you three times a week or more. I'm feeling motivated just, just I know. hearing you. Tell me, give me a high it five. <laughs> I, I just high five it's Nikki super, It's yeah. super fun. So you just, you just have to turn up. And on those times when you are super motivated, well, for whatever reason, maybe it is because, you know, summer's coming or you've... You've got some great results, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is working! I'm, I'm even more motivated now." Go with it. Push a little harder. Then you know, take your eating to a new level. Do your food prep. But in those times when you're not motivated, motivated, you just go anyway. Just do it anyway. You just right? do it. And it goes beyond exercise and life in general. Business, life in general. Whatever it is. Exactly. I say to my my mums, you're probably not super super hyped up and motivated to drive your kids to school every day and make them lunch. You just do it. There are things in your life that you do. And in terms of exercise, if you are doing, say, three 45-minute weight training sessions and one high-intensity interval training session for 20 minutes, that is less than 1% of your time. Get off your ass because, honestly, you have to do it. If you want good health, these are the things you need to do. You have to, you do, have to do it or make time to be unhealthy. Everyone wants the result, but no one wants to work. That's right. And okay. that comes back to entrepreneurialism as well. That mm. with being a business owner, it's not going to happen by magic. No, you do have to no. put in the hard yards. So you have to love it. Got to hustle. You got to hustle <laughs> and you got to love what you do and be passionate mm. about it. So um, otherwise, it will be a sheer grind. Mm. So, yes. I think um, the fact that you love what you do and you're passionate about it, it, it gives you a level of insanity that if things don't go too well, you still do it anyway absolutely and people love passion they love to to feel that it's contagious Mm. you know whether you're passionate Mm. about training or you're passionate about handcraft crochet whatever it is making earrings just being around people who really love what they do Mm. it flows onto you as well energy Mm. is very contagious Mm -hmm. and i think that's why uh, for personal trainers as well i'm one thing i would say to new personal training trainers coming out is don't undersell what you do. Don't make yourself so inexpensive that you need to do 10 PT sessions a day to pay your bills. Pay yourself what you're worth. Do less. Do it well um, and give yourself some downtime because it's really important that you look you know, healthy and fit mm-hmm. and energized mm-hmm. and that you're coming into a session and you know your client's kids' names and what they did at school last week mm-hmm. as well as knowing your client's PB for a bench press and what they did last week and how you're going to progress that. Mm-hmm. You need to come in really fresh and not absolutely exhausted and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. hyped up on a, on a V because you're, you're just <laughs> getting through. And that comes from, you know, really structuring your week Wow. that you are able to recharge your own batteries. Wow. Very important. Thank you so much, Nikki, for sharing all of that. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, I love really this good. stuff. Let's talk, about, let's talk about passion a little bit again. Um, 
Look, I believe passion is good. For me, I feel like it's not everything. Um, if I'm passionate about looking for the sunset in the north, I'm not gonna find it no matter how passionate <laughs> I am. You know, I still have to be educated. It's, a, it's actually here. Yeah. <laughs> and then, okay, let's put the passion into that. So, That's right. you know, like passion passion is, is good, it's great, it fuels you, but it's not everything. It's not everything, of mm. course, it's not. And, you know, I think that's why I, I, I think my exercise science graduates really have a bit of a, a, a foot up the, the ladder in terms of that. Thing. So, yes, you need a combination of yeah. of a number of things. So passion is, is one, uh, certainly knowledge and education and then getting your, your base of... Just out there in the on the field experience. So because what you learn in university is quite different than when you mm. apply it to a million different clients. Mm. So um, I think having good EQ and building your people skills. And I'm, I know you, your people skills are A one. So mm. I'm sure you can relate to this. Yeah. But um, also making sure that you are able to be a bit of a chameleon and deal with a number of different clients and adjust your personality to draw the best out of them yeah. and, and get them to where they want to go. So um, true. Yeah, so with true. some clients you need to be a little bit more of a sergeant major. With others you're going to be a little bit more of a coach. With others you're going to be, it's going to be much more of a friendly relationship. Um, other clients will burst into tears and, and have gone through something terrible in, in their lives. And so you need to be a little bit of a life coach for a short time or know when to refer on right. when they need help. Yeah. So, yeah, it, yeah, I think with business, if you're dealing with people, you need to have a lot going for you. And education is obviously the base. And mm. then with people like you and I, we've got that other layer together, which is the business owner's hat. You yeah. might be dealing with staff and you're paying bills and you're thinking of how you can progress your business and the different arms of your business that you might want to go down and how to, yeah. how to do that. So it's great, isn't it? I mean, but for me, I think the best thing is seeing the mental change in people. And one of the reasons I started to address my tribe, my badass women, mum tribe, which I love so much, but so often women don't start off in that position, especially as mums. They've often been out of the workforce for, say, five years, 10 years, they've had little children at home, they've lived really in that mummy realm. And so they start to lose themselves a little bit. They start to doubt that they can go back into the workforce. A number of women have said to me, oh, I don't even know how to answer the phone, it's all computerised. Like Everything's changed. So these things that could take possibly a day to relearn, like it's, it's nothing, they start to really doubt that they can do it because they've been out of the workforce so long. Wow. So getting them back into training and my little word in their ear going, kidding me of course you can go back there's yeah. still a job for you there they love you there somebody will show you how to use the phone it's like a two minute job just don't sweat the small stuff and getting them back and believing in themselves so i often when my clients are training i get them to check that inner voice you know and and to really use what we do as well as stress relief so one of my one things i've said this a million times to my clients but you know when you walk into my studio i don't want you thinking about your kids, your hubby, you know, what you need to cook for dinner, the shopping you need to do. Put that stuff aside. For 45 minutes, this is about you. Go internal. How about you start to think about how you'll be at 80, how vibrant and fit you'll be, how strong you're going to be this time next year, how your body's going to look this time next year. If, it's, if aesthetics are your thing and you want to look hot, visualize it now. Get that deadlift done. 
you know, start to go inwards. Don't think about everyone. Because mums in particular, we give so much mm. out to everyone else. And mm. we give very little to ourselves. Mm. So you've got an online service. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it's just transformation. But I'm, I, again, I keep it really small. Um, I'm not cheap. I'm not a $10 a week service because I really work with you. I will get your butt in shape. And I also don't accept everyone. So I'm, I'm quite unusual for a trainer. I don't accept everyone into my studio and I don't accept everyone into my transformation program. So I only accept the people who are like, I, I want to do it. I want to do it so bad. But if I get, say, somebody who's a obsessive runner, for example, they're just they're running, they're breaking down, they've got a million injuries, they want to change their body, but they're skinny greyhounds and they're like, no, but I really want to look muscular and athletic. But I don't want to give up the running. I, I know I probably can't work with that person because all I'm going to do is add more in, tell them to run a little bit less, and they're not going to want to. And you know, so it's not going to be a good thing. It's like, yeah, okay, you're not the person for me. That's cool. That, that's And the more I get results, the more clients will want to train with me. So that's why my studio, it, it does have PT in the title, but it's a transformation studio. But to do that, I need the right people who are really committed. Yeah. 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 So but I've been doing this 25 years, Carlo. I yeah. didn't start off that narrow. Of I've got narrower and narrower as, as I've got older. Yeah. And more and more picky. Yeah. So. And that's true. I think as a, if you're an early, let's say early in your career as a PT, your, your number one concern is getting more people through the door. Look, it is. That's right. And I think organically, sometimes mm. you find your tribe. Yeah. So certainly when I started out, you know, I think of my very first client. He was a very unusual man. He was a chef. He was, oh my goodness, I think he was something like 140 kilograms oh, heavy. Wow. And he was about, five, oh no, how tall he was? He was six foot eight, six foot seven. Jeez. Huge, huge man. Nowadays, I, he, he wouldn't even walk through my door. Like, I just, he would look at all my social media work he would, and he would know I probably wasn't the trainer for him. But of course, as a new trainer, I took him on. And even on. when I think of what I did with him now, mm-hmm. it's completely different to what I would, did with him then. Is completely different to what I would do with him now. You uh, know, completely different advice, completely yeah. different training. You yeah. know, so yeah, you're right. I, you know, when you start off, you you almost you can't go. To, I guess too super narrow to start with. You you think about what you'd like to do, and you try different clients because you could even surprise yourself and go. You know what? I never thought I'd like working with kids. Yeah. I oh, love it. Good, good, I love good. their energy. I love this. I love that. It's a great niche. You know, you just you don't know. So I think part of um, starting out is is having a little bit of an experiment as well. Mm. I like that. Just going out there, see as many clients as you can. And then eventually you'll find, you know, your tribe and your voice, you know, you go, oh, this is, this is what I want. You will. And you're never going to get there until you, you've tried everything. You've tried all these clients. That's right. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Mm. And you'll soon figure out what's best for you. And, yeah, right. and we each have our own vibe as well. So as a solopreneur, which is essentially, I guess, what you and I are, yes. you know, we're, we're, we're running the show. Mm. Um, our brand is us. Okay, so people identify with you or with I and they see what we do and we can't put on a different voice to the voice we have. That's our personality. So just making sure that we we stay with that. So whatever we do, you know, and and, I mean, and that can be marvellous. And it can also be pressure because I'm very conscious and it's a funny little side note. But when I was running businesses in the city, 
my clients didn't even know where I lived. Like, we would never have seen each other socially. It was, you know, completely, completely separate. But now, especially when I was running the business out of my garage and it was, you know, 50 metres from yeah. the local school where my kids went, yeah. um, I would go to a school fete and, and I felt like I couldn't eat a sausage, you know. It's like, no way, because my clients are all here and if they see me eating a sausage, and I, it plays with your mind a little yeah. bit because it's like, I'm only human. I, you know, have an ice cream or a sausage or go out to dinner or all of those things that we all do um, sometimes. But, but it was, I really had to separate um, somewhat my brand from my real person as a, as a mum at the local school because otherwise I was going to go quite crazy. And that's one of the reasons it's, it's a bit more subtle now because my kids are a little bit older and yeah. my son's at high school. And, you know, I don't have that close bond. It's yeah. different. But um, my clients... And they still do it just naturally now. Call me Cinchy or Cinch, which is my business name. But in my private life, of course, everybody calls me Nikki. And so I, I have almost to an extent developed a bit of a business persona, which is Cinchy. And in my private life, I'm, I'm Nikki, which is kind of weird. Wow. But it's sort of worked because everyone is so close to me. It's worked well. Yeah. I'm certain that Richard Branson, and I know he's one of my idols, but he's amazing. And he's a really introverted, and actually quite a stuttery, introverted kind of man. But the persona that he takes on when he's at a virgin launch of some sort is very much the extrovert. You know, he's putting flight attendants over his shoulder and he's jumping in the pool and he's like this out there crazy character. But if he was like that all the time, his friends and family would go insane. Like, that's quite an annoying personality to live with 24 7. Yeah, but yeah. day to day, he's a measured, quiet, nice man. And it's not really about faking it, you know, it's about. Not at all. No, yeah. It's, it's, about, it's just about being able to relax. But you still want to have your, your family time and your downtime, don't you? Yeah. Now, speaking yeah. of downtime and family time, how do you how how many hours a week do you set aside? Okay, this is my time. This is my time for my family. quite a lot. Um, so in my studio, I've really structured it that I do have plenty of either it's downtime or it's time for me to work on my business rather than in my business. Because again, going back to those trainers and starting off and. I see it all the time, reading fitness journals, I see it all the time, these trainers that they're training, you know, 50 hours a week oh, in the man. gym, and you think, that is oh. no life, and they're probably earning a lot of money, but it is no life, so mm. out of, I think we we only offer, I think, 15, 15 group sessions a week in the studio, so they're okay. very set times, and clients book in, and then on top of that, I only do about five personal training clients training hours and I've my prices up this year I charge a hundred dollars 45 minutes now so again it, it cuts it down and I'm happy to do it because well I'm getting paid quite well for that now so I'm, I, I can give a hundred and fifty percent for those clients and they get value for money because oh, yeah. out of that hour again I'm right in their butt I want to know what they're eating and drinking yeah. and you know and results. Me. Again. it's results baby yeah. it's what they're paying for it's results so um so it gives me plenty of time it's been different lately because I've been crazy busy in the last three months i've had uh, an operation on my leg and then i presented for the first time at an international conference i was away in um, san diego and mexico for a few weeks and then i came back and a week after i was back we launched the new studio so it, it has been a full-on two months so every spare minute has been has been like an it's been like an episode block We've been up there renovating and doing as much yeah. of it as, as we can ourselves. And it's open now, right? It's open now. It's um, the old Shoeway building. So anyone who's listening who is a local, the old oh. Shoeway building 
um, which is right next to Jam and Cream Cafe. So it's the one or street in Heidelberg Heights. So it's really handy. It's such a great location. Um, so, so at the moment, I've been insanely busy, like literally running from place to place. But normally, I structure my day so that I, I, I have an embarrassing amount of downtime. Like really, you know, I'm, I'm sure sometimes my clients don't actually do anything because I will almost always be at the studio at 6 a.m. I'll generally be back at 9.30. So I go home, I get my kids to school, um, back at 9.30. And then um, two evenings a week, I'm back at 6.30. But often during the day, I may have a client, you know, a random client, you know, say at two o'clock or something. But the rest of the time, I'm able to focus on my business. And so I have my own business coach. I have my own transformation coach. So I do exactly what I do with my clients. I don't have my own personal trainer. I'm, I'm way too arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> I personally train myself, but I do have a business coach yeah. and transformation coach. Wow. Who helps with my, my eating and my diet. Yeah. So because if I'm going to ask people to be accountable to me, I do like to be accountable to someone else. Some other advice that I would give new clients starting out is you want to be client-centric always. You want to make your clients the focus of what you do, but not not to the point where you cut your own nose off to spite your face, not to yeah. the point that you're not making any money and you're burnt out. Yeah. By all means, look after them, but we all have to charge enough yeah. that we can have that quality of life that we are actually able to give them the very best of us. Yeah, value and yourself. Absolutely, value absolutely. But I, I still see, you know, gyms, you know, $8.50 a week or personal trainers, you know, charge $20 an hour. It's like, well, it doesn't do any of us any favours. No. Well, you get what you pay for as well. You do. You do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So much to learn today. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Carlo. It was um, fun. It was like talking to an old friend. It was uh-huh, great. Thank you. Um, so what's next for Cinch? Um, I know you're opening up your next studio, but yep. then... Um, Talk to us more about, you know, what's what's the next goal for you? Oh, yeah. I've got some really clear goals. Mm. And I think this has been what, what, what working with my business mentor has helped too. Because she's like, right, what do you actually want to do? Mm. So mm. there are a couple of things I really want to do. Well, three, really. I mean, obviously, I want my studio to be really successful and have that feel of a, of a really exclusive club. Not in a snobby way, but just as in a tight tribe sort mm. of way and really get great results for the, the women who are training with me. That's my a key goal. Yeah. Um, I want to do more presenting. So when I was lecturing at uni, I always loved it. I love I love talking, as you can tell. I love sharing knowledge, and I I love giving out all of my knowledge because it's always there's always new stuff coming in. So as much as I can give out, there's always, you know I like I'm, I was never one of those lecturers who held back. It's like you love just that. have everything I know. So um, I just presented, like I said, in the states, and that went really well, and yeah. it gave me that. Not only the the lust for for presenting again, but also the travel lust. It's like I just love I love travel. So you know, if I can tie it in with work, it's yeah. just so fun. So um, so I definitely would like to present at I would say two or three conferences a year. If I can get overseas two or three conferences a year, I'd, I'd be happy. You know, that would that would that would keep me sane. Right. So that would be really my downtime. And then cool. if I can take a family member each time, oh. that'd be great. Perfect. So perfect. Um, and then finally, I guess this is probably my big one. So last year I was a co-author in a book. I just wrote one chapter yeah. in a book called Healthy Body. And oh, that was great. And I really loved that. And I thought, well, that's another feather in my cap. But I've, I really feel that I would, I've got another book in me. And I think my book is going to be called Find Your Fears, which is my tagline. But I can see I'd like to find your fears for the over 40s, and the over 50s, and the over 60s. And just talking about, especially for women 
how to train, how to eat. Like, you know, for women in their 40s and 50s, it gets a little different. You know, there are some hormonal changes. Things things slow down. Um, they change from being pairs to being more apple You know, suddenly the body goes, you know, all it, it all becomes out the front and they get a tummy where they never had a tummy before. Um, you know, as the estrogen drops down, the postmenopausal, et cetera, et cetera. And really giving women some great role models that they can look at and go, holy cow, you know, Elle McPherson's in her 50s, Shah Salt's in her 50s, you know, two times Miss Olympia. Um, all these amazing women who, you know, even Kate Blanchett or Naomi, you know, Nicole Kidman, who are completely redefining what 50 looks like. Yeah, so yeah. there's this whole wave of women that when I, my mum died in her 50s, she died at 51, but I remember her being like an old lady before she died. You know, like the grey hair and uh, we're, it's not like that anymore. So mm. women in their 50s still want to not just maintain, they want to be improving. And it's that time of your life when you could have the highest disposable income of any other time. Your kids are growing up, you're still working. In fact, you're at the top of your game. You're not letting us lie down. No way. We're, we're just lifting off. So I think um, that's something I'm really excited about. So I can see, um, I haven't talked to my friend who's a doctor yet, but I can see maybe a collaboration with my GP um, talking about, yeah, how to eat optimally. You know, what's what's out there to help you look your best, feel your best, um, and then just a whole lot of motivational women that perhaps I can interview and, and bring in as well. So yeah, so that's, it's obviously very sketchy right now, but that's what I would like to do. I think that's amazing. Fun, right? I think that's super cool because yeah. uh, as you were talking, I was just thinking a lot of you know women, even men who are over forty, over fifty, use age as an excuse. Push the boundaries. See mm. what you can see. What you can do. I mean, Jane Fonda is what eighty now. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So I mean, we also it's perfectly okay to age gracefully. We're not saying you know go all out to 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 be crazily fake. And, and you're right, never use age as an excuse. If you're feeling great, keep going, keep, keep mm. training. And I've got a number of women mm. who are in their mm. 50s, they're my age, who are phenomenally strong. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think it's really exciting. You've got, you only have one body. You do. There was a great um, yeah. research study done a few years ago where they took a whole lot of older men and what, they split them into two groups and one group they basically put into a house all living together and they told them, they were, I think they said, you were all, you were all 30 again. And they had the whole house set up as it would have been when these men were 30. Oh, really? The same cars, the same food packets. Like, it was quite incredible. And the, the reports of how they felt in themselves, you know, they were bigger. You know, that their self-report of feelings of bigger was so much higher in the men mm. who have felt like they were 30 again mm. than the men who were, in fact, still 70. So telling yourself, so I myself, I honestly feel that I look better than when I was 20. You know, my body's better. I feel, I still feel pretty. Like I, I'm a different person. I've got so much more energy because at 20 I had, I had chronic fatigue and I was like trying to study. And I was like, it was exhausting. You know, I'm trying to do 10 jobs because I was a student and all of those things. I feel so much better now, so much healthier, so much stronger. Then, you know, so why think of myself as 50 when I think of myself as 20? I've, I've certainly had a lot more maturity than I did back then. You know, I've got the wisdom, yeah. but in myself, I don't feel like I'm breaking down. I feel like I'm 
It's all in the mind. It's all in the mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Delete it. Just delete it. Good. Thirty years in the game, still learning. Absolutely, and still loving it. You know, I'm astounded by that. That it is. It is a thirty years in the game. I actually started as an aerobics instructor in 1988. So 1988, and I still every day I get up and I am excited about what I do. There's never a time where I drag myself to the studio. I've got to go to the studio again. I'm excited by every client. On the rare occasion where I have had, and I've trained thousands of people, but on the rare occasion where I have had a client, I've thought, I'm really not enjoying training this person for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's been a missed call, by the way, but mm-hmm. I've always ended it because I need to have that excitement and I need yeah. to give them my best. But I, I just still love it. Yeah. Isn't that surprising? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Still fun. Um, so just to finish off, um, one advice for um, a young PT out there listening to this. Single one. Hang on, I've got to look at my list. So collaboration and support, like we're doing today, I think is really important to mm. grow your brand. Um, using social media, I think, is crucial. If you're mm, a young trainer starting out, you need to raise your profile, and social media is a really cheap, easy way to do it. So Instagram so in particular true. is perfect. Oh, so using high-class images on your feed. I think one of the best investments I've made is not so much now, just because I've been a little bit busy and I haven't brought her in so much, but for a long time, most of my feed on Insta was a professional photographer. I'd get her in once a month and she'd just take 30 photos and then they would, I would, I would use them. And, and it's actually quite hard to use 30 photos in a month when you're putting other photos yeah. on as, as well. It's a lot. It's a lot. You know, and not all of them I would absolutely love. So I tend to use the ones I love first. And then I've still got, I've got thousands of photos that yeah. she's, which then you can use in your business for advertising anyway. So yeah. that was really great. And then Insta Stories was all the behind the scenes stuff. So, and, and that's, getting more and more slick as mm. we go along, mm. you know, as it is for all of us because yeah. we're fairly new to Instagram but we're learning how to really use that for our... Somebody else I draw into my network is um, uh, Bronwyn Sheridan who's a social media coach. She does lots of things but yeah. um, I just loved her feed and what she did and I loved her voice and so um, I started using her for some copywriting and, yeah. and you know, like when, when I needed to send a letter out to clients saying I was putting all the prices up and everything was changing and we were moving, it's like, that is quite a letter to write. Yeah. And so I wrote it and I thought, I think I could do better. And so I actually got my copywriter to look over it. And since then, and she wrote a beautiful letter, and since then I've actually brought her in for a few things. And she helps me with little social media tips that are only little but are the 5% that make the difference. So um, using social media, crucial. Finding your voice, being consistent. Um, and that helps to raise your profile. Thank you very much. My pleasure. So the final bit of advice I'd give to anybody is just enjoy the wild ride, take risks, be prepared to work hard. You have to do it. You have to create it. Mm. And then you have to work to make sure that people know you are here and know what you do Mm. because nobody will come to you if they don't know you're here. Take a risk and then you work to make sure that that risk is paid off and love your client Um, and and be a decent human. Always, Mm. always be kind really need to create those dinner party experiences that yeah. clients go oh my god Carla you're not going to believe yeah. what my trainer did this week that's when they start talking that's when they start we need talking. like four episodes so we, we do we need four episodes we need-